Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission has been to formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats, so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie has also created clean protein, wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give your kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. Often sharing my conversation with feline expert Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, which brings together short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. The festival premieres every fall in New York City and then travels to theaters across America and Canada, with a portion of every ticket going to local cat welfare organizations with the support of Dr. Elsie's. I was so interested to discover that there is the largest no-kill cat shelter in New York State right in Buffalo, and they wanted to show the Cat Film Festival in their town and let all of their cat-loving followers see the film festival, and I thought, well, wait, I want to learn more about the 10 Lives Club. So I reached out, and Kimberly LaRussa, who's the public relations manager, said, sure, I'll talk about what we do. Kimberly, how long has 10 Lives Club, which is a darling name, by the way, been in existence? Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, 10 Lives Club, the name actually came from, you know, they say that cats have nine lives, yes. but um, because they get to come to 10 Lives Club, they get an extra one. Oh, nice. Uh, so that's how the, the name was started. But uh, my my boss, um, she founded this organization um, more than 20 years ago. Her name is Marie Edwards, and she started off, you know, helping cats and, um, in her garage. And it just grew up from there. Um, there's been several locations um, in those years. And now this organization helps more than 3,000 cats a year. And our home base is located on Lakeshore Road in Blaisdell, New York. And um, we, we do all the good work there. And we have adoption locations across Western New York that help all of our cats get adopted. So just amazing how far it's come. Over the years, it was, you know, one woman who had a dream mm-hmm. who rallied the entire community to save cats. And now it's just, you know, big, bigger than ever. It's pretty extraordinary because to be the largest no-kill cat shelter in New York State is quite a mouthful. It's a big state. And there are a lot of good shelters and lots of shelters that are no-kill. But that it, your cats only and that you're a shelter not just doing TNR. Not that TNR all by itself isn't great work to be doing, but the idea that that one woman's vision, there are so many one women out there, right? Sometimes men, maybe more so women, but that's not even clear, who are doing TNR. So they have a community cat group that, that sort of evolved, and then they get a few helpers, and then there are two or three people working night and day in all weathers to maintain community cats. But to go from that idea to, okay, I'll use my garage and I'll house some cats here until I can find them homes. All of the machinations of that, the cat's wellness, spay neuter, uh, maybe microchipping, I don't know if you do that, rabies and Mm -hmm. lots of other vaccinations that cats need, and then to evolve into 
an organization, a nonprofit that ha- can say we're the largest in New York State, that's a huge leap in a decade. A lot of a lot of groups that care about cats would be happy to just still be doing TNR and grateful that they have enough around enough people around them to do it. What do you think was different about Marie Edwards? Because cat lovers are everywhere and people willing to put themselves at a fair amount of personal sacrifice for cats are everywhere. Something's different about what you guys have created. Can you do you have you ever stopped to think what makes us so special? I I think I believe it's um, in Ten Lives Club's mission is to have the entire community work together. So you know it's not just you know one organization. It's it's an organization that is willing um, to work with other organizations to make a difference. So I think um, the collaborations and the friendships and um, all of that that are made within Ten Lives Club. Um, you know a lot of the uh, smaller cat rescues, they, they join forces with us right. and we work together as a team. And I think that's what makes a difference. And, you know, 10 Lives Club believes that, you know, every helping hand matters and everyone makes a difference no matter how big or how small. And I think when you work together as a community like that, um, that's how, how you grow when everybody works together. But again, that, to my mind, that would go back to Marie Edwards. It takes a leader to bring people together in a convivial way. I think one of the problems for a lot of people in the sheltering community, particularly in the smaller rescues, because humans are involved. And as my friend Diane Saatchi, who was in real estate in the Hamptons, used to say, where there's people, there's trouble. People are complicated and they're territorial, differently than cats, of course. And they have all kinds of emotional territory. And I think to be able to Bring people together harmoniously is an incredible gift. I mean, you kind of wish that politicians that could do it. You kind of wish that pastors could do it. It seems like she must have or have had that ability to get people to play well together. I, I don't know if you've been involved in other rescues, but people often talk about the hardship of trying to keep people working on the same task together in a friendly way. Is that something you've experienced? Yeah, I would definitely say it's it's not easy. Um, everyone has, you know, their own thoughts and their ideas and um, ways they want to do things. So I'll definitely say it's it's not an easy task. Um, but, you know, Marie has uh, have people that have helped her since the very beginning um, that are still with her all these years. And, you know, she I've seen her before. She writes um, handwritten cards to those who help wow. the organization very personal um, with people. But, you know, as I said it before, she would say it if she was doing this interview, you know, it, it, she's, she won't take the credit for all of this. This is uh, um, all the people that believed in this mission and, and stick, stuck by her side and stuck by the cat's side all these years that have made a difference. I know she would say that too. But yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a personal thing um, when people feel that they're appreciated um, when people feel that they're making a difference, that they had a hand in making a difference, I think that's, you know, that's what brings everyone together. And that's a that's a beautiful thing. But yes, I entirely agree with you. It's it's not an easy task to get everyone on the same page sometimes. And, and, and cool down hot tempers, because as you said, people have their own ideas about how things should be done. And I've had any number of people, particularly from the cat rescue world, who have started their own cat rescue 
because they just got fed up with or frustrated with whatever group they were part of. Now, that might have been a comment about them, right, not about the group. Their tolerance for uh, discourse back and forth or finding a common ground for how something should be done. I think it, that a leader in in animal welfare is one of the most important things. So many people want to do good and want to contribute, want to volunteer, want to give money, time, goods, but they have to feel that there is a leader, not only that they're heard, so that's the part about you know, let me hear your opinions, and I'll hear your opinions, and then we'll come up with a way to do it that works for everybody or that everyone's comfortable with. It's also that people really do like a leader. Isn't it's interesting? There, I guess there's just the loners out there in life, not just in cat rescue, but I, it's just an interesting phenomenon that so many people that are doing sheltering and rescue work have problems with some of the other people, but the really successful rescues don't feel that there's conflict or friction. They feel that there's, I guess, the train is moving smoothly on the rails. Of course, I can imagine that Marie would be that humble person who says, it's not me, it's everybody else. But that's probably what makes her an amazing leader, is not having, not it not being ego-driven, but being cat-driven. So what are some of the things that 10 Lives Cat, 10 Lives Club, not 10 Lives Cat Club, 10 Lives Club, talk about some of the the things that you do, some of the actions that you do in the community. Yeah, so um, we, we take in stray and abandoned, homeless, uh, neglected cats in the community. Um, we have, you know, wonderful people that go out there and they, and they see cats that are in need of help and they call 10 Lives Club. And we take them into our shelter. Um, you know, they get everything medically ready for these cats. Um, they get spayed. They get neutered to prevent overpopulation. Every cat gets a microchip. Um, you know, so lots of cats get dental work done. A lot goes into um, the care of the cats when they come into the shelter. And um, it's a lot of work and it um, requires a lot of donations, um, you know, especially when you're bringing in 3,000 cats um, yeah. a year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some of these cats are found on the streets. Um, some of these cats are surrendered. Um, maybe someone died um, and, and the cat was left behind, sadly, or somebody can't care for the cat anymore. We take those cats in um, and we take a lot of cats with severe medical cases we help those cats as well so you know anything um, we can do to lend a hand um, it's also very important to us as I mentioned to prevent overpopulation yep. so um, we will hold spay and neuter clinics for the community to come in and bring in their cats at a low cost wow um, we will also help um, the other rescues that um, focus on the feral cat community, um, they can uh, bring in those cats. We'll, you know, spay and neuter those cats as well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big project. Um, there's, there's so many aspects, as you know, um, in helping cats. And we try to help um, in any way we can. Um, but our rescue was founded um, for the purpose of helping friendly cats find their forever home. So, Oh, nice. Um, That's interesting. You, so that, that is a very specific goal, helping friendly cats find a forever home. So it is really based on the concept that cats who would like to live indoors should get a good home. And people who want a cat to live with them should get a cat who's friendly and wants to be there. 
which is really smart, right, Kimberly? Because you can't ask a feral cat to live indoors, and you can't ask people to socialize a cat past the early kitten stage if they really aren't comfortable living with people. I mean, that's sort of a given that no one understood for a long time, nor should those cats be in a shelter, right? Those cats yeah, need to then, be out in know, a colony. Yeah, and, and some cats, they don't they don't want to be in the shelter right. either, but um, that doesn't mean that they, they shouldn't get help. So, you know, that's, that's why it's important, you know, for 10 Lives Club to also, you know, help those cats as well if they need their shots, if they need, you know, spay and neuter. Um, and work with those organizations that directly focus on on those cats. So you're the public relations manager. Do, is it is it through your efforts that the followers find out when a cat comes in with a severe medical problem that you need money to underwrite or a, a, I don't know multiple litters or something that require extra bottle feeding or attention time and money, uh, fosters kitten fosters. Is it through public social media that you reach those people? Is that your primary way of reaching all the people that are helping? Yes, that's a big way for sure. Um, you know, and it's a team effort among um, myself and the employees at 10 Lives Club and Marie. And um, yes, so social media is, is such a blessing. You know, you're, you have access to a community that wants to follow your nonprofit that's rallying behind your nonprofit. And you can share your stories of the cats that are brought in almost immediately. Yes. So if you have a cat that's brought in that is, you know, in, in terrible conditions that needs medical help, you know, you can share that story on there and hit that donation button. Yep. And, you know, your followers, if they would love, to, if they'd like to give to that cause, then they can. And they can know that their donation went directly to helping that cat. Right. And I think a lot of times with, um, you know, nonprofits, it's that storytelling aspect. It's the aspect of, you know, I want to give, but I want to know what I'm giving yes. to today. Yes. And so social media is an incredible blessing. And we are also so lucky that our local news stations here in Buffalo oh. love animals. So we wouldn't be able to do, you know, the good work we do without them either. They promote our cats. They help us with our fundraisers. Wow. So we are so grateful to the TV stations and newspapers here in Western New York as well. Well, isn't that nice? So in a sense of it being community, it's community all the way reaching out into mainstream media, not just the yeah. people, the do-gooders, but the support from the venues that give the news out and give information out. A question about social media, since many of the people listening may not be aware that at least on Facebook, I don't know, I have a social media manager. She's brilliant. She f figures out from day to day and week to week how all the rules change and the sea change of social media and whether you can even reach your followers. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know, but I'm just going to say that my understanding is with Facebook that you can have, pick a number, 25,000 followers. You do a posting and without paying more, a lot more, you're not reaching even a f tiny fraction of the people who are actually your followers. That's that's just a, an ongoing fact that keeps changing with Facebook. I'm not sure about Instagram, but they're they're no longer a free uh, marketplace in which you can just put out information. How do you how do you manage that challenge of reaching all of your followers when it costs a lot of money to reach them, even though they're already your followers? Well, I'll, I'll personally say we haven't had a challenge with that. In fact, Facebook actually reached out to us 
and offered assistance um, with our nonprofit organization. And I've had phone wow. calls with employees at Facebook that were willing to um, teach us, you know, uh, tricks and more information. Wow. Yeah, so I will. I will. I have nothing but good things to say about um, Facebook in that aspect, and even Instagram has been great too. We have a donate button. We're allowed to press on Instagram to help with our followers. So I mean, you're pretty beloved. Media. That's that's really I, I, fascinating. I, I, that's incredible. It's exactly the opposite of what happens when you have a, you know, a neutral, not not a not for profit, but. I'm not exactly having money pour in to have my radio shows and the the film festivals, but they don't let the followers of those items see anything without being paid extra money, a lot of extra money. So I'm really glad that's not true for you. I don't know if it's not true for most nonprofits, but you clearly are doing such an incredible job that the social media platforms are embracing you and making life beautiful for you, as they should. But I really am very happy to learn that. I, I've always wondered that question. And since you're a dedicated public relations person, I figured you would know the truth. It's great what you're doing at 10 Lives Club, Kimberly, and that everyone else there is doing. It's it's really exciting. And I'm, even though Buffalo is an awfully long way from Long Island, which is where this NPR show originates from, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW, FM. If anybody obviously wants to contribute or wants to foster or adopt, uh, they, they can look up 10 Lives Club and have easy access to all the good you're doing. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for being there for so long, doing so much good for all those kitties. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to learn more about us. Uh, we appreciate it. That's the only way we get the good work done. So thank you to you. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and appreciation of cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, which created their own clean protein cat foods, inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey, to better satisfy a cat's appetite with ingredients naturally intended for her body. 90% of the protein in clean protein is animal-based, not plant-based as in many cat foods, which can compromise cats' health. Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I can personally recommend as a healthy choice, although I always hope that wet food will be your cat's primary diet. Thanks again for being here.